0: KHOL, this is Jackson Unpacked, our weekly podcast on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole in the Mountain West. I'm news director Kyle Mackey. Coming up on today's show, KHOL's Spanish language correspondent Alicia Unger reports on the legacy of the 22-year-old Jackson resident Hector Bedoya Sarate, who died while tubing on the Snake River on July 4th.
1: Seeing how the community will remember him, it's uh, very touching and he leaves a legacy of good morals.
0: Plus, meet K K12's new and first ever deputy director, Eli Bernstein.
2: Radio has uh, always been important to me in terms of uh, just finding new music. Everywhere I've lived, I've sought out the local community radio stations.
0: But first, We're going to kick things off with an important story from our friends at Wyoming Public Radio. Last month, Yellowstone National Park and surrounding areas received historic flooding. As of early July, parts of eastern Wyoming and southwest Montana were still experiencing some flooding. At the same time, much of the region is in a severe drought. So what's going on here? Wyoming Public Radio's Caitlin Tan reports.
3: On June 12th, river levels rose so fast and so high in Yellowstone that much of the park flooded. Creeks and rivers expanded onto the shore, destroying roads and bridges along the way. Even a log cabin for employees fell into the river.
4: It's the water rushing down and pulling all the the, uh, dirt away. That is insane.
3: The extent of the damage was unimaginable. It made breaking news nationwide.
5: Yellowstone National Park remains closed this weekend after catastrophic floods overwhelmed...
3: But at the same time, much of the West is burning. Last year, more than 7 million acres of land burnt. So naturally, much of the news has been focused on the 22-year-long drought in the West. Drought is intensifying across the West. Almost half the country's population is facing dry conditions, but it's... So how does that work? How can there be historic flooding when there's also a historic lack of water? It's
6: just always important to remember that weather and climate are two different things.
3: That's Erin Horton. She's a water supply specialist for the Natural Resources Conservation Services.
6: Weather's well, like what's happening on you know, a more daily basis, and climate is what the overall... Trend is?
3: So the drought in the West is considered a climate trend. It's long term. But the flooding in Yellowstone was a weather event, which is short term. And specifically, Horton says the flooding occurred because of something called an atmospheric river.
6: Which means there's like this narrow band of really intense moisture that concentrated over that area. You know, it starts in the tropics and it moved through the Pacific. Northwest across through the Seattle area and then eventually reach Yellowstone. So you're getting a lot of water deposits at the same time.
3: Atmospheric rivers usually happen on the West Coast and are quite rare inland. And when they do come to places like Wyoming, it's usually winter, causing heavy, wet snowfall. But if they come in the spring, it causes rain. Here's Jackson-based meteorologist Alan Smith.
4: So. The fact that the moisture was subtropical in nature meant that the temperatures that came with it were pretty mild and that led to rain across even the highest elevations.
3: That warm rain was falling onto an above average snowpack. Even though our region had a relatively dry and mild winter, a cold, wet spring made up for it. Smith says some areas had double the snowpack averages by early June. Warm temperatures and high amounts of rain falling onto lots of snowpack created the perfect storm.
4: You factor in the amount of rain that fell out of the sky and the amount of liquid that melted out of the snowpack as a result of it, and you just had a ton of water flowing down these rivers into these canyons, which... Led to the flooding and the runoff. In a
3: more typical year where the snow falls mostly in the winter and temperatures rise gradually and there's no extreme rain events, our region wouldn't see flooding like it did in Yellowstone. Here's Aaron Horton again.
6: Big snow year, slowly melting off, is going to have this normal sort of midsummer peak stream flow because if it's coming off slowly, your river is going to rise. A little bit more slowly, you're going to peak when you're getting the maximum amount of runoff, and then it's going to slowly decline.
3: And Alan Smith says that even in a drought, there can still be an increase in precipitation at certain times of the year.
4: Suddenly you have a huge storm system that dumps a lot of rain. It doesn't matter how dry or wet the preceding conditions were to that event. If you have that amount of moisture coming out of the sky all at once, you can can have flooding even while you're in a drought. Smith says he
3: wouldn't be surprised if more flooding events happen in the future, because with drought comes warmer temperatures.
4: That could lead to more rapid snow melts. And if you throw some heavy rain like what we saw recently on top of a melting snowpack in the spring. and We could certainly have more flooding events as well.
3: Smith says that the flooding actually helped move most of Yellowstone out of drought status. Previously, it had been in abnormally dry to a moderate drought status. However, much of Wyoming is still in moderate to extreme drought. For Wyoming Public Radio, I'm Caitlin Tan in Pinedale.
0: KHOL welcomed Eli Bernstein to our staff. As deputy director, Eli will be spearheading the station's business development and membership program. Prior to joining us, Eli spent more than a decade in magazine journalism, first at Sports Illustrated and then Backpacker. He also became a volunteer KHOL DJ last year. Executive Director Emily Cohen recently sat down with Eli to chat about his decision to start a new chapter in community radio.
5: As a community-supported radio station, we wanted to sit down and talk with Eli to introduce KHOL listeners to a key member of our growing team. Eli, it's been great to have you here at the station and as a DJ. To get us started, can you talk about how you first learned about KHOL?
2: Yeah, sure thing. Radio has uh, always been important to me in terms of uh, just finding new music. Everywhere I've lived, I've sought out the local community radio stations uh, for their sort of music selections and you know their, their coverage of that world. So when I moved to Jackson, um, I immediately looked up what was in town and KHOL was that station. And uh, the first time I turned it on, I thought that uh, that was a pretty amazing thing to have in a town like Jackson. And it's honestly one of the things that kept me living here. So
5: here we've been shifting our focus primarily from a music station to a format that still has a lot of music, which is how you came to love the station. But also, we've been adding a lot more local news and talk programming. And this gets to my next question, um, talking about media consolidation. There was a recent article in the New York Times that said there's been about two local news outlets closing per week since 2005. And just since the pandemic, that's about 360 so now that you're on the business side of journalism or of media, what do you think our community can do to ensure that local journalism survives in Jackson Hole?
2: Uh, yeah, I've been uh, on the bad side of some of those consolidations and closing, and it is not fun, nor is it good for you know the audiences that these outlets serve. And to support uh, KHOL and independent media in Jackson Hole, uh, if you are an individual, become a member of the station. Uh, it doesn't Cost a lot, but all that money from, you know, if we get a lot of people to sign up does go a long way towards keeping us on the airwaves. Um, If you're a business, you can support with underwriting and advertising or just uh, donations. And again, everything helps. And we like both benefit the community and take our power and viability from the community as well. So it's a two way street.
5: Okay. Going from that serious topic to an even more serious topic here. What are three bands you're digging this summer?
2: That is a serious topic, and and luckily I gave this some thought beforehand, so I wasn't just scrambling through my Spotify. My album of the year so far, which uh, sort of makes it one of my favorite summer albums by default, is uh, Little Green House by the Connecticut sort of uh, emo punk band Anxious, uh, just full of anthemic hooks and shout-along vocals, and uh, it really you know, uh, gets me pumped up, especially when it's warm out. Uh, I'm also loving, sort of in that same vein, uh, a stream of singles that's been coming out from the Chicago band Beach Bunny. I think they're working towards a record release uh, either this month or next, so really excited for that one, and what I'm hearing is super good so far. And my song of the summer so far is Let's Do It Again by Jamie XX. Just an absolute floor filler, um, and he releases songs. It's sort of a, a inconsistent drip, so I'm hoping this comes with another album or EP as well.
5: You know, working here with you, with Jack, it's made my life so much easier. I just ask my colleagues for recommendations. I don't really have to do any research myself, so it's great.
2: Happy to provide.
5: Um, Eli, is there anything else you want listeners to know about you?
2: I truly believe in the power of radio, um, both as a cultural outlet, as an in- entertainment center, and as a really essential way to figure out what's going in the world around you. Um, and I think if you listen to radio, especially at KHL, you will emerge a better person.
5: And feel more connected to this place that we all love and call home.
2: Absolutely. Jackson
5: Hole. Eli, thank you for joining me here in the studio today. And for listeners, if you want to know about more ways to support KHOL or sponsor a show, you can contact Eli at E-L-I, Eli at J-H-C-R Also, be sure to tune into Eli's weekly show, Left of the Dial, when he spins an eclectic mix on Tuesday evenings from 9 to 11 p.m. I'm Emily Cohen for listener supported KHOL Jackson.
0: just joining us you're listening to Jackson Unpacked from KJWL I'm news director Kyle Mackey and this is our weekly podcast featuring reporting and interviews on news, music and culture in Jackson Hole and the Mountain West New episodes of Jackson Unpacked drop every Friday on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts Hector Bedoya Sarate of Jackson was killed on July 4th while tubing down the Snake River with a group of friends the 22-year-old was not wearing a life vest and got pulled downstream near the rapid known as King's Wave. Now, he's being remembered as a loyal friend who loomed especially large in Jackson's soccer community. KHL Spanish-language correspondent Alicia Unger has been reporting on the impact of Bedoya Sarate's loss in Jackson's Latino community. Next, we'll hear Unger discuss her reporting in English, followed by her full feature story in Spanish. Alicia, thank you so much for your reporting on this very difficult and sad story. You were able to attend a recent memorial for Hector Bedoya Sarate, And can you tell us about that? I understand you were also able to speak to many of his family members.
1: Thank you, Kyle. As you mentioned, it was a very emotional event. Uh, The parents and uh, the entire Latin community is very disrupted by this uh, accident that caused the life of Hector Vedoya Sarate, a, a young man of just 22 years old who was enjoying the 4th of July with his friends and the river. Um, however, he didn't have a vest. And, a life jacket. Uh, and unfortunately, um, the the current of, and the strength of the river pulls him. And uh, this accident is just uh, shocked the community. I was able to speak to, to his mother, who considered him an angel in his house. And seeing all these events that are being made on his name, uh, she mentioned that those events assured her that her son was an angel to the community as well.
0: I've read the News and Guide had a moving tribute to him and have read about what a pillar in the community he was as a soccer player and as a friend and family member. How are some of the other family members that you spoke to remembering him?
1: Well, the aunt is just devastated. She, uh, she told me that she was able to take care of him at a very young age for like four years when he was a little kid. So, of course, she doesn't compare the pain that she's feeling with the mother. But she also loves him as her own son. His sister remembers him dancing with her, that even though that he was not a very good dancer, he, uh, you know, he tried, he tried to share with her happy moments, dancing the twerking. (laughs) So that's something very, very nice that in the middle of tears, to remember Hector by.
0: This accident is really highlighting the importance of of river safety specifically, but, you know, in general, the risks that we all take when we're recreating outside. You spoke to Emily from the Coombs Foundation. Can you tell us about that conversation and what lessons she's hoping folks will take from this accident?
1: Yes, I was able to talk to Emily and she explains to me that Mother Nature is very unpredictable And we also respect Mother Nature's mountains, rivers. And therefore, she would like to see more education about it, uh, to teach the young kids the danger and how to manage the risks.
0: Is there anything else that you would like to share about what you've learned about Hector before we go to your story in Spanish?
1: It's just that I didn't have the opportunity to meet Hector, but... uh, seeing how the community will remember him, it's a uh, very touching and he leaves a legacy of good morals.
0: Well, thank you, Alicia. And we will go now to your full story in Spanish.
1: Thank you. Enjoy it. KHOL Noticias en Español. Los saluda Alicia Anger. Un minuto de silencio y dos de aplausos pero sobre todo, mucho dolor.
6: Era como
2: si me hubieran arrancado el alma.
1: Estas fueron las emotivas reacciones que se vivieron entre familia y amigos durante un homenaje póstumo a Héctor Bedoya Zárate, el joven de 22 años quien para su madre Susana Zárate fuera un ángel en vida. Para
5: una madre sus hijos todo el tiempo van a ser ángeles. En todas las casas yo pienso en que cada casa de nosotros tenemos ángeles vivos que están con nosotros en
7: todo el tiempo, en cada momento y en presencia.
1: La celebración en memoria de Héctor, realizada el domingo 10 de julio por la Liga de Soccer Mexicana en Jackson Hall, asegura su madre le demuestra que ella estaba en lo correcto.
5: Afuera decía yo, pues, ok, no sé cómo sea mi hijo. Ahora que todo veo esto, es, está conmemoración que le están haciendo, todo esto que veo y ahora sé que también afuera es y fue un ángel.
1: Homenaje que resulta ser un bálsamo en la herida para la familia entera, dijo su padre Héctor Bedoya Pérez, lleno de satisfacción.
7: Mucho orgullo que lo quiera toda la comunidad, sea hispana y americana.
1: Y es que a pesar de su corta edad, Emily Combs, fundadora de la organización no lucrativa Combs Foundation, Héctor deja una profunda huella en la comunidad.
7: ¿Qué? Hector stands for to me is that he was so kind and he stood up for people. He had, you know, a lot of integrity, and he's an example of how we should all be. You know, when you see something that isn't right, you stand up and you speak out.
1: Para mí, Héctor representa la integridad. Defendía a las personas con gentileza. Un ejemplo de cómo todos deberíamos ser, indicó Combs.
7: To me, that's one of the greatest gifts that anybody can have to give to others—to lead by example. Because he was just such a wonderful person.
1: El entrenador de fútbol del condado Teton Shockey concuerda con el testimonio de Combs.
4: I, I just see him as the big brother, you know, that he was the family member. And so I'd see Hector come in and and help out with his sister.
1: Lo veía como el gran hermano que era. Veía a Héctor ayudar con su hermana en la preparatoria en la que trabajó, cuidando siempre de su familia. Mencionó el entrenador, enfatizando que Héctor fue simplemente una persona maravillosa. Héctor perdió la vida el 4 de julio cuando, según informes, el tubo flotante en el que navegaba por el río Snake junto con unos amigos, se volteó quedando atrapado entre la corriente al sur de Astoria, en Hoback, Héctor no portaba su chaleco de seguridad flotante. Muchos de los que vivimos aquí amamos a las montañas y a los ríos, pero tenemos que entender que la naturaleza es muy poderosa y tenemos que aprender a respetarla, indicó Combs.
7: En esta ciudad me gustaría Education for the youth.
1: Combs agregó que le gustaría ver más educación para los jóvenes que les enseñe sobre los peligros de vivir en una zona como esta y así poder identificar los riesgos y saber cómo manejarlos. The, Accidente que, según Ángela Zárate, tía de Héctor, quien asegura lo crio de pequeño, ha causado un gran dolor en la familia entera. Es
3: cuando te abren la carne. Con un cuchillo, con algo. Quisiera gritar de dolor.
1: Y en medio de la tragedia, la tía de Héctor pide a los jóvenes de la comunidad más precaución.
6: Que vean el dolor tan grande que dejan en una familia.
1: Mientras tanto, Daniela Bedoya, de 17 años, hermana de Héctor, asegura lo recordará con los alegres momentos que le dejó. El último.
6: Sentía, sentía que estaba a bailar con él y no no podía bailar tenía las patas dos chuecas. pero todavía es un momento muy muy feliz oh my God. eso ese es el
1: último recuerdo que voy a tener con él Pero tengo mucho más. Alicia Anger, KHOL, Noticias en Español.
0: Now for the weekly news roundup. Here are the headlines you might have missed this past week. Wyoming Game and Fish Department officials killed one of the young offspring of famed Grizzly 399 last week. The decision to kill the sub-adult male was made in consultation with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, according to Game and Fish Public Information Specialist Mark Gokey who says the bear had gotten dangerously habituated to humans after receiving numerous food rewards in a developed area north of Pinedale.
4: They just don't unlearn that. Um, They continue to seek out those easy meals, um, unfortunately, and tend to get bolder over time. And that's when it becomes a human safety issue.
0: Goki says euthanizing a bear is always a last resort, but that officials didn't believe relocation was an option for this grizzly because of its increasingly dangerous behavior.
4: The subadult grizzly was hanging out on porches of homes and even while they were occupied by people and didn't respond to hazing attempts.
0: No similar behavior has been observed among the three other offspring of 399's most recent litter. Goki says. But he also warns that bear activity will only increase between now and November, and he urges residents to secure attractants like garbage and livestock feed in order to keep both bears and humans safe. The number of short-term rental permit applications grew steadily in Teton County between 2016 and 2020, but then plateaued. That's according to a report delivered to the Jackson Town Council Monday by Community Development Director Tyler Sinclair. One of the main findings is that lodging revenue is growing faster than the number of lodging units, like hotel rooms or short-term rentals, which Sinclair says is consistent with the county's comprehensive plan. The report also found that 71 percent of the lodging units that town zoning will allow have already been built. Councilmember Jim Rooks said that figure gives him some hope when it sometimes feels like development is going to continue forever.
6: We're not going to have 100 new hotels. There's 29% of what's available remaining to be developed. And so I, that helps me as a just as an individual to say it's not going to go everywhere, and it can only occur
4: so much.
0: Still, Monday's discussion made clear that the town has limited authority to control when lodging development happens. The town counselors also declined to support a staff recommendation to limit the size of individual lodging units. Explaining his hesitance, Councilmember Jonathan Schechter said this is part of a larger conversation about the future of tourism in Jackson Hole. Echoing that sentiment, several council members said they prefer to wait to take any actions on lodging while the related sustainable destination management planning process is still underway. The Teton County Health Department announced last week that the county's two curative COVID-19 testing sites will no longer provide free tests to everyone, regardless of insurance status. Funding for the free testing had been provided by the State Department of Health, which is revisiting its priority areas as resources dwindle. However, testing will still be no cost for uninsured patients, and likely also for those who are insured, according to County Health Director Jody Pond. If you do have insurance, you're still eligible for a 0 copay under the
4: testing
0: um, guidelines. Now, of course, we always want people to check with their own insurance and make sure that that's true. Pond is also reminding the public that every home in the U.S. is now eligible to order a third round of free at-home antigen tests. The link to do so is covid.gov slash tests. The COVID-19 community risk level in Teton County is currently high, despite 90% of the population being fully vaccinated. Finally, as hazy skies return to the valley due to smoke from nearby wildfires, the Teton County Health Department is reminding folks how to mitigate potential negative health effects. All residents should avoid prolonged outdoor exercise when the Air Quality Index, or AQI, exceeds 200 on the online resource airnow.gov. Older adults and young children are also more likely to be impacted by wildfire smoke. More information is available on the county health department's website. That's it for today on Jackson Unpacked. Original music for the show is by the local band, Strombucket. You can help us spread the word about Jackson Unpacked by leaving a rating and review for the show in Apple Podcasts. I'm Kyle Mackey and this is KJL Jackson.